0: Well, that was fun. <laughs> Probably the Sharks' best performance of the year, beating the Vancouver Canucks 4 to 3 in what was only a, you know, could be called a thrilling third period. But we'll talk about that and more after this. But first, if you want to be a part of the show and join the Chompversation, chat with us and fellow Sharks fans on the page or the app, and of course here on the YouTube chat. Of course, you can follow us along on the social media platforms, that being X, Instagram, Facebook, the YouTube chat, of course, SoundCloud, Reddit, Discord, all of that and more at TealTownUSA.com. And if you're willing. We'd love a uh, a, sh- a shout out or a drop out uh, over on uh, Venmo, Teal Town, USA, and uh, that's where we're at. But uh, it was a fun, fun evening, and I don't know that I was really ready for that. <laughs> but uh, you know, honestly, it was it was a great win by the team. Uh, as the broadcast had mentioned early on, it was one of those kind of full effort nights by the boys. Um, you felt that the team actually came out and and decided that okay, we're going to you know try and stand toe to toe with the with the best team in the the Pacific Division and, you know, or excuse me, the second best team in the Pacific Division. Sorry, Vegas. Uh, but I mean, honestly, they, they came out tonight with with some good authority um, and, and really played toe to toe with one of the better teams uh, in their division. I mean, a team that had come and previously, you know, just destroyed them, you know, that 10 to one shrubbing and then uh, a little bit of a uh, of some uh, brouhaha going on up in Vancouver when they were there just last week. So uh, again, you know, the boys put in a solid effort, and I and I just cannot be, uh, you know, I cannot stress that enough. I mean, this this looked like a different team, and uh, again, you know, it seemed like they had kind of been building off of the. Uh, Montreal game from from yesterday, when in which they put a very good effort up, and even before that, you know, at the beginning of the week, when you had uh, the Vancouver game, uh, they really did a, a a a decent job of keeping up. Then, um, you know, not having enough skill power to to necessarily beat the Canucks in Vancouver, but tonight, just consistent, consistent line-to-line action, I I felt every single line was cohesive, you know, one shift rolling into the next, you know, there was a little bit of touch-and-go as far as the scoring back and forth, but I felt that every time the Canucks brought something uh, to the table and, and as far as like mounting more effort or more pressure in the zone, the Sharks had an answer. You know they would come back with with another decent shift of their own, um, and and really just playing at a, at a good pace with the Canucks. So again, I I really cannot stress enough how well the team played tonight. Um, very much a, a, a complete mirror opposite of of how they started the season. Um, and to me, you know, as as I've been preaching all along, I, I just want good habits. I want good um, efforts. I, w- I want the team to be uh, really cohesive within their own zone and really taking care of each other. And of course, you know, help, helping out their goaltender. And I felt like this was the first time this season that we had actually seen, um, you know, a, a really solid effort in in both the offensive zone and the defensive zone. And in, in the goaltending as well. The goaltending was very good. But let's get into it. In that first period, Ty Embersome with his first goal, and that came 958 in the first Tomash Hurdle and Mike Hoffman getting the assists there on that goal. And uh that one, you know, was it was a kick out back to the point. You had uh Ty with the with the big slap shot and uh Tomash, you know, there helping out um kind of being in front of the the goalie's eyes, but a a really great top corner shot. And this is why, you know, you kind of take a flyer on a guy like Embersome, um, who's got a little bit of of offensive pop. Um, You put him in a position where he can start to drive a little bit more offense from the back end. And I think you're going to see these kind of contributions. I think, you know, he's got um, a little bit of of, uh, offensive acumen, maybe not... um, not to the level of of Addison but again I, I think this is a guy that you can kind of build along, who can be very, very um, competent as a second-pairing offensive driver. And, and again, I, I really love to see the defense being involved. I felt the defense um, in the last five five games have, has really started to, to pick their spots when they're pinching better. Um, you're starting to see the defensemen further up the ice than we did at the very beginning of the season. And it's just kind of been a little bit of a of an evolution. You know, of course, losing EK and and rejiggering the the defensive structure was going to present some challenges, right? I mean, guys are learning their new positions, guys are are not accustomed to the workload that that has been placed upon them because of departures of, of, of former players. So seeing the young kids step up and especially on the back end really driving play is is a good sign and and that's it's one of those building block pieces um, that you need to uh, have in order to continue to have the team grow. Um, and it's it's one of those building block pieces, as I said. Jerry F., thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Always coming through with the Super Chats. Uh, $5. My son and I are celebrating a rare Sharks win. Thanks for consistently great coverage. Well, thank you for being one of our best consistent fans. We love you, Jerry, and, and really appreciate it. Uh, and again you know we haven't had a lot to look forward to this season we haven't had a lot of of things to talk about in a positive light but when they do come and and when you do have these kind of whole team type wins that's what you use to build upon and that's what you use to to teach you know now you have film of good habits you have film of of what you're supposed to be doing yes it wasn't 100% clean Right? and and I and I think again that the sharks in general it's a work in progress and and we're probably you know in a five year rebuild plan we're probably in like year three right where where we're just getting into the to the uh you know heart of adding, core players, you know, newer core players, um, adding uh, young talent and, and stocking for when the team does hit critical mass. We're not there yet. There's still a lot of things that need to be that need to be taught to this team. And I think that there's still going to be a lot of pain going forward. I mean this team is <laughs> when you look at the center depth, I mean Mikhail Granlin played a hell of a game tonight, but For most of this season, he had been pretty invisible, and then Nico Sturm, of course, you know, getting, um, uh, you know, taking taking the personal leave, and then um, having a a a shot block and having some issues tonight. So again, that center depth, you you wonder if that's, you know, if that's going to present itself a a, a problem as as we go further into the season. Um, Still, no Logan Couture, but again, it's it's just. you know, it's just something for concern for for the future because you know having Tomas, Tomas Hurdle take eighty percent of your offensive zone starts <laughs> is going to wear him out very quickly. So uh, a- again, I think we can take the victory tonight and use it as hey, this is how you need to play. This is how you play against top teams. Um, but again, let's not fool ourselves. You know, it's it's a long season. The Sharks are where they're at. But again, we can take the little victories and and you can start. To see what the sharks want to do, as far as how they need to play in order to win, um, and and what could be future uh, traits of success coming coming into the fold. So, again, let's take it in stride. We'll enjoy this one tonight. But again, Monday is going to be you know coming back, and you've got a Washington team that's resurgent coming into the tank and that's going to be a different ball of wax to try and contain that team. So again, good job by the boys. Great to start on time. Um, Of course, in that first period, the Canucks would end up scoring uh, on the power play. And that is one thing I, I do want to bring up to tonight as, as kind of a kind of a warning spot. Um, but Philip Heronick with his second of the season, uh, and that would make it 1-1 um, at 1537. Oh, Denver Doyle, thank you so much for the super chat uh, saying, W, why can't Granlin play like that more often? I don't know, Denver, but it was nice to see tonight. And again, we really do... Um, you know, we really do kind of count the good days that he has versus, you know, the bad days because it seems like there's more bad than good. We got one of the good ones tonight. Uh, we did have a disallowed goal in that first period by the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, that one was a, was a sneaky good challenge by the coaching staff and the coaching staff, you know, can also be commended for really doing a good job picking their spots on the challenges this year. Um, but you had a little bit of a clip um, of Kapo Kakanen in the blue paint. You know, the uh, Vancouver player coming in um, uh, did, you know, skate to skate lock and uh, did kind of cause Kako to kind of lose his balance trying to go down into the butterfly. Um, you know, Toronto concurred with um, the the uh, assessment That the sharks had made that you know it was some contact and and the team was able to get that 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 goal erased and I think it was one of those early momentum setters for the sharks you know once you have your your coach you know really chipping in there with the with the extra you know give give Coach Quinn the assist there or the video coach the assist there on on the the takeaway but um, again I think that after that happened the sharks kind of settled in. Um, I think Kakinen also did a good job of of just kind of tracking the puck. Um, his rebound control was very good tonight. I felt that he was kicking out the rebounds to his to his players. Still a little shaky on the uh, you know on the playing of the puck. It's still a little bit of an adventure when he roams out and and tries to play the puck behind the net. But again. You like to see the aggressiveness and you like to see him with some confidence. So I'd rather him be doing that than be, you know, a shrinking violet there and in the crease and, you know, backing up onto the, onto the goal line or or what have you. So again, some good, good, um, good play by Kakanen tonight. And uh, leading us into the second period. Uh, Fabian Zetterlin would uh, get his fifth of the year uh, with an assist by Tomas Hertl, uh, his 12th assist of the year, um, and and Zetterlin again, an, a, a guy that was part of the Timo Meyer trade, a guy that that you bring in as as part of a of a younger up and coming um, pool, and I think for me, Zetterlin is is starting to turn into a little Timo light, um, and maybe a guy that, you know, New Jersey would have liked to have kept around because from, from what I have seen, you know, he's been a, a very good spark plug type player. Um, you know, a type of, uh, of player that, that seems to just be a pest to the opposing team. Um, and, and somebody who's got a little bit of a scoring touch. So I don't know. I, I, I'm liking what I'm seeing from Zettel so far. Um, and and I think that uh, you know he could turn into a nice little second line player um, if he if he continues this this offensive uh, trajectory that he has. Um, but again, five goals so far this season, um, not bad. You know if he can if he could pot twenty this year on on this team, I, I think you'd call that a success. And I think that you call that as a. Um, you know, I I guess uh, a good little value piece that was added to the to the uh, to the deal. So, again, good to see Zetterlin on the board. Um, good to see him um, playing with some confidence. And uh, and again, I'm liking what I'm seeing from 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 the player. <clears throat> Excuse me. Ah, uh, but uh, somebody was asking, uh, what is the uh, the deal with the uh, the graphics? Well, uh, the Sharks actually had. Um, Uh, in-game, it was like retro video game night. Gaming night was the actual uh, event this evening at the tank, um, but it was very retro themed. So I don't know if you could hear it through the broadcast, but there were a lot of synthesizers playing uh, 8-bit type character music. Um, They also uh, uh, remixed some of the uh, some of the normal songs that we hear during the presentation of the game um, with a little bit of a synthesizer. Um, so again, it was uh, a very cool little homage. Um, and and thank you, Puck Guy, for putting together some really nice graphics. Um, and, you know, definitely brings me back to my Super Nintendo days. Uh, if you can believe it or not, um, you know, I'm one of those elder millennials. So I grew up with a SNES first. Um, and, uh, you know, my favorite memory, of course, is uh, popping in super mario world and just hearing that that intro music at the very beginning yeah that's just pure joy to me so um again it's it was fun a little bit of nostalgia and uh, a great presentation by the uh, sap crew as always um just again, they always, they always pull it together pretty well. Um, but this nice little retro night was, uh, was cool to see and, and great to hear all of the, uh, all of the, um, chimes and all of the, the noises that were going on. So pretty awesome. So good on the staff, but getting back into that second period, uh, Brock Besser would, uh, equalize late. And one of the, Bad traits of the sharks has been a propensity to give um, up goals at the beginning of periods and at the end of periods, and we'll we'll talk about it again towards the end of the next period. But I don't know if it's a looking past the team and and looking for the intermission or for the end of the game or if it's a natural tendency to let up or or if it's just score effects you know kind of you know showing themselves at the beginning and ends of periods but this has been a consistent problem for this team since um you know I think since the the end of the Deboer days right and during Bob Bugner's reign it was you know it was pretty much consistent that at the end of the second period you know at the last fifth you know last minute um, you were going to to see a goal and give up a cheapie and again you want to see the team start and finish period strong that was not a strong finish to that second period so again a cause for concern a thing that they continue to need to work on and again just need to sort out their own zone when there's when time is expiring i feel as if the defensive matchups kind of go by the wayside you you start to see the players kind of drift from their marks and and just give up open ice too easily they don't contest um, you know their own ice at, at the ends of periods and it's just maddening it's it's so frustrating because it's you see it it's like a train wreck right in, right in front of you you know you see the team you know come comment on the half walls or take it behind the net try to do some type of lateral movement to get get there um, to, to get the the goaltender moving from side to side and they end up potting one. So that is definitely going to be one of those key points that the team is going to need to work on. Um, And it was on the power play. uh, And and again, this would be the second goal on the power play by Vancouver. And it was talked about a a few games ago, actually, by the, the broadcast crew. But even during the doldrums of the Bob Bugner era, the team on the PK was consistent. It was always consistently... You know, top 10, at times top five. But to be 28th right now, I mean, they might even be, after tonight's game, they might even be ranked lower. But I think that this is one of the worst penalty kills we've seen from the Sharks in a long time. I think it was maybe one of those, one of those Thornton Western Conference teams that had just. It was something like a 25th ranked PK, but the <laughs> but the power play was ranked something like number two, and then it kind of flipped where they they overemphasized the PK and underemphasized um, the the power play, and you are now just seeing both sets of specialty teams just not be very good, so you're. I'm concerned I think the the team would will probably be concerned you know the Sharks did get a power play goal in the third but special teams is is just one of those things that if you don't consistently win. It will bite you in the butt and, and the law of averages will say you'll lose more games than you'll win. If you lose the specialty teams battle, luckily the sharks didn't lose, you know, luckily the sharks did not lose tonight. Um, but they did lose on the specialty teams battle um, in that third period, twenty two seconds in. Mikel Granlund uh, gets his first of the season with Kalen Addison and Mario Ferrari getting Mario Ferrari getting excuse me uh, getting the assists there uh, on Mikkel Granlin's first goal of the season. And had Denver Doyle had said, and, and I think um, it was uh, Iman and, and a couple others in the chat. You know, this was probably the best game that Mikel Granlin's had as a shark. Um, and I don't know if he, you know, had some extra Wheaties this morning or, uh, you know, he decided to do some Pilates or whatever, had chicken parm. If he's a Bucci fan, you know, a Bucci grass fan, but, uh, you know, whatever he did keep doing it, boy. Cause again, you, you, if you need that center depth, the the team is thin as it is on the centers. And if you can continually get that kind of effort, um, Mikel Granley could, do some rejuvenation of his career mind you I'm not sure you know where he's going to end up next season um and and what you know what he's he's planning on doing as far as you know continuing his career or or deciding to hang him up but he's played a lot of hockey and and you wonder if just father time is just catching up and uh you know we'll see but um but again good to see at least you know some good effort today um, then Mike Hoffman would uh, get his sixth of the season uh, on the power play at a minute and 48. So the sharks would score two in pretty rapid succession. And that would give them a four to two lead. Granlin coming in with the assist and Addison getting assist. So an a- uh, you know, Kalen Addison tonight uh, having a two point night, um, which was, which was great. Tomas hurdle had a two point night. Uh, Mikkel Granlin had a two point night. Um, and, uh, I think Hoffs had just the single goal tonight. I think he was close to a second, but you know the the main drivers of the team doing the work here. And when you're a team that doesn't have the talent uh, of your of your fellow compatriots within your division, this is this, these are the type of the gritty wins that you need to have in which. All of your of your top players are playing at their best. Hurdle definitely played well tonight. Um, I felt that as if he was was a presence on the ice. I felt that he, you know, really has shown through this season particular what type of leadership skill he has to lead a team that. Is not expected to do a lot, quite frankly, to to lead a team that is as bad as it is. But to continue to put in the work, to continue to see the effort, and continue to see the passion that he displays, um, I, I I really do. I really do think we're seeing him grow into into the more complete player that we wanted him to be, you know, earlier in his career. Um, so so again, good on Tomash tonight. And, um, and we're really you know we're really happy and, and really proud of, of, of his career and and I hope he continues on this this trajectory of you know completing the rest of his of his play um, and, and really bringing his his whole complete package up to to a top center type level although the Canucks would make it interesting and and like I said before I had teased it out a little bit at the ends of uh. Um, at the end of it, but um, we did have a blockbuster goal at 16:49. His fifteenth of the season. Miller and Pedersen would get the assist there, and would make it three to four. And that was with a six-on-five attack. And for me, once this goal was scored, you know, prior to that, the prior two or three minutes. You know, the Sharks were kind of on their heels. They they did seem to kind of relax a little bit after um you know, after Hoffman's goal and and for whatever reason, you know, there's that natural tendency to kind of let your foot off the 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 pedal with that four to two lead and, and a four to two lead it's kind of like a three to one lead, right? It's those it's those two goal leads that you just never feel safe with. Um I don't I you know, I didn't feel comfortable throughout the last five minutes of the game. Um, regardless, because of how much um, the uh, you know how much incoming rubber the Canucks were putting at Coughlin, so I felt as if the Canucks were going to equalize. I, I I won't lie; I told you, you know, I was I was I was kind of preparing myself to to come on and, and to be like, well, you know, they they played played well through spurts and and. You can see kind of what the architects, you can kind of visualize uh, what what the team is trying to do. But you know, surprise, surprise, the Sharks ended up holding on. And I, I think we honestly we, we got to talk about the goaltending, and and, and we got to talk about the work in which Kokkinen did tonight. He, you know, he would end up the 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 night with a nine twelve save percentage, and you um, would stop thirty one of thirty four. But again, when Cockinen plays with confidence and when he plays bigger than his body, and and he's he's a large fellow, you know, six three, six four. And when he plays upright, when he's fronting pucks, when he's coming out to the edge of his crease, you can see the hallmarks of a goal a good goaltender. You can see the bones uh, of a of a of a good goaltender cokkenin hasn't been helped by his defense a lot this year so i think that that is a lot of the problem but i also don't think that he played his best hockey in that first you know 20 games um so well we're at we're at game it's nine or twenty one so yeah I, I i don't think that we saw you know, a player that was confident and a player that really felt who could steal games for you. However, tonight, I saw a guy that was confident, a guy that wasn't afraid to move around in his own crease a little bit. A guy who wanted to play the pluck, puck. Puck. <laughs> questionably no doubt (laughs) um but again i uh i think that you can use this performance as a basis for future performance and go cock you know capo if you can get us this type of of performance if you can if you can hold us to a nine you know if you can get a 912 or better type safe performance on a lot of nights that's gonna that's gonna do you well you know the team had been having issues scoring. Um, luckily, you know they got the uh, four four in the net, the ta- tacos you get, and and you know they they sent the the uh, the paid crowd home happy with some with some tacos. But th- let's face it; I mean, there hasn't been a lot of multi-goal games by the Sharks, um, especially four-goal type games. And so, when you do get the offense, you you do hope that the goaltending holds up because again it's so rare to get more than a couple of goals from this team you just gotta you gotta take advantage of that when you did and, and Kapo was able to do that and uh, you know I think you can use this as a, as a teaching tool and you can use this as a way for him to maybe try to assert himself as a as a starter as the front line starter again because I think Blackwood right now might have a little bit more of the coaching staff's trust in the way in which he's played versus you know, the way Capo has been playing. So again, when they're both playing well and when they're both pushing each other, that's, that's when they're at their best. But I was really enthused and, and really um, optimistic by his play. So, we'll see if that continues. We'll see which goaltender goes on Monday. Um, you know, they've got a they've got a quick little rest here and then get you know, back at it on Monday, so it's going to be one of those three games in four night type situations, and those aren't easy. And the goaltending definitely takes a hit at the end of it. Um, as far as, you know, the the effort or the amount of energy that they the goaltenders have available to them, but but we'll see uh, what David Quinn decides to do if he rides a hot hand or if he decides to do a, a traditional goalie split in these types of, uh, of, of scenarios. So with that, the team would end up winning tonight four to three. And uh, we had, just kind of quickly bra- browsing over the team stats, we had... 33 shots on goal by the Vancouver Canucks. 22 by the Sharks. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks would outhit the Sharks 19-3. to uh, The face-off percentage, quite interesting. 54% in favor of Vancouver. However, it seemed as if the Sharks did enough of a job to <clears throat> maintain possession within their own zone in a lot of defensive zone starts. I think there were a few, um, a few of those uh, starts that you wish that they would have kept possession of the puck, but I think we've we've seen the faceoff percentage be better. And I think again, when you're missing Logan Couture and when you've got a, a Nico Sturm who's not operating on 100, I uh, you know it, it makes it difficult. So. We'll we'll definitely see how that evolves, the face off picture evolves later uh, throughout the year. Uh let's see. Block shots, shirks had twenty-four tonight. But again, Ian had mentioned this before. You know, if you're blocking, you know, if you've got the most blocks in, in the league, that means that you're not playing well. You know, it means that you don't have the puck and it means that you're continually losing possession of the puck. So it's all well and, danly, well and dandy to sacrifice your body and put, put your body in front of the puck. But at some point, you have to wonder if it's not just better to let the guy that has the proper equipment to front those pucks versus asking... Defensemen asking forwards to come back and to continually give up their body and continually put their themselves in harm's position. At that's a tough ask, and I'm I'm with Drew. Remember, Drew had 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 said it a long time ago. You know he doesn't like chalk blocking. Just get out of the way. Let the goalie see it. Let it front up, and pick up whatever the loose garbage is. But. That's not the shark's way of hockey, quote-unquote. So, you know, the team, you know, does want to see that emphasis on shot blocking. We'll see. The debate continues to rage on on whether or not it is a good idea or, or if it is deserving of merit or if it really just should be the goaltender, you know, on those pucks. But we can have that discussion, you know, in the chat if you'd like. Um, and, uh, and, you know, we, we, again, we really appreciate, uh, all of, all of your support and, and all of, uh, all of you coming out and chatting with us on the, on the social media, of course, on, on, uh, X uh, over on discord. Um, we do this show for, for you, you know, we do this show for the shark fans. And again, this season has been long. It's going to continue to be long, but, you know, at least we have a place in which we can kind of gather together, be a community, look forward to what's coming next for the team, and, and look with an eye towards the future and, and with an eye towards what kind of development um, the Sharks are going to have. Uh, one guy that we did need to give a shout out to, Quentin Musty, had a game yesterday evening. Um, I you know I don't know if you if you saw that up on uh, uh, up on the the sharks page but um, yes Quentin, Quentin Musty just having a great night last night and and that's that's the type of of stories that we want to be hearing from the sharks organization of kids you know in their developmental systems just racking up the points gaining that confidence you know keep them away um, you know keep them away from. Uh, you know, really trying to um, trying to rush them and bring them onto the team in order to help a team that's not you know poised to do a lot. Instead, keep them in in their in their respective league or, or respective level, and um, really let them develop and and really try to allow them to graduate into the next, you know, into the next, uh, league and I- into the next phase of development. Joseph, <laughs> I want a 20 game losing streak. Uh, yeah, well, I think, you know, I don't know that we'll get a 20 game losing streak, but you know, I, when it's all said and done, I'm wondering if, you know, the team's going to either end up 31 or 32. Um, I, I would, You know, given how we started the season, um, you know, I don't see us doing better than 31, to be quite frank. But I I think, honestly, I think the Sharks are probably the worst team in the league, just based upon talent um, and based upon where they're at as far as injuries go. Fully healthy, I would say this team is probably 30th. Maybe 29th. But again, you know, look at what, what's on this roster. It's kind of an AHL lineup. I mean, outside of Hurdle and, and some of the vets. But, you know, it's what the team has, and it's what, you know, we're kind of working through right now. There are a few pieces here and there that you would love to see, um, you know, there were, you would love to see the Sharks get valuable assets for, whether that is, um, you know, a Mike Hoffman if he's able to heat up or um, if it is a Mikel Granlin who, you know, could help out on, as a, a defensive piece. But again, the team is in this, in, in the middle of the rebuild and so, right now, maximizing assets is going to be the most important thing uh, for this team, and, and just continue to um, the, you know, to continue to add to the war chest, continue to add to the prospect pool. Um, you know, maybe get lucky with with a uh, with a couple of young free agents or some young unsigned players or undrafted type players, but young, young, young. That's what I want to focus on you know i don't want to focus on players who you know are past their prime and who are not really adding anything to the future of the team you do need to have veteran leadership of course you do need to have some guys who can you know show the ropes to the younger players but to be quite frank i mean i don't think grandlin really deserved to be dressed the first 15 games with how bad he played and he's got to do a lot to get himself out of the out of the doghouse he put himself in we'll see i'm wondering again if it's more of an injury fatigue type thing because there are a lot of miles on those skates but to me that was a player who who looked like he did not give a damn quite quite frankly michael hanzus 2.0 so again, good for him to get a goal, good for him to do a a great job. Um and uh you know, I think that we want to um see the we want to see more players who are here for the future than than for those who are kind of at the end of at the end of the rope. Um so we uh, let's take a look here quickly throughout uh, some of these, some of the uh, chat here. So Joseph is saying, I want a Celebrani. So- uh, of course, I think we all do. Um, you know, some talk about Kasper Um, um We've had um, Ricky saying going to need a good skating coach for prospects. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that this is this is the, the Achilles heel of the Sharks development has always been you know, blind to the skating aspect and say, Oh, we can teach that or, Oh, we can, we can make that better. But there's been kind of a little bit of hubris on, on taking players that didn't have great, great skills to begin with uh, the hubris to think that you could continue to have them develop their skating skills and, and be markedly improved. I, I just haven't seen it from, from our staff to develop strong skaters. Um, Maybe it's something that we can work on. Maybe it's something we can add to, you know, maybe go out and, and, you know, add some more development coaches. But maybe it could even be as simple a solution as saying, hey, Patrick Marlowe, uh, you skated pretty well. You might wanna consider, you know, being one of those development coaches for, for skating here for the sharks and kind of teach your wares. That might be interesting he was a damn good skater he was actually very i i I, and and i use this with all due respect very pretty skater he just had a very smooth and efficient glide um a guy who could turn it up quickly um but also had an efficiency of movement and never seemed like he was straining himself out there and and consistently consistently quick consistently quick and i don't you know if 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 you remember early on in his career he was a burner early on very very much a burner so again i'm i'm with the with the chat on wanting strong skating and uh and wanting uh prospects um to be strong skaters when they get here um and and, and work from a position of strength rather than working from that uh position of disadvantage trying to you know help fine tune skating uh Oh, Joseph's saying, so let me get this right. None of y'all wanted Connor Bedard. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think if you looked at, at our little corner here on the on the web, I think all of us wanted Bedard. Um I just think that here as Sharks fans, we've seen I wouldn't say shenanigans, but I won't. But I will say I don't think the Sharks have been treated the best by the NHL. Um, and it can, we can go on to a whole long diatribe about this. Um, you know, talking about you know the expansion and Eric Lindros and and not getting the first overall pick as was tradition for expansion teams. Um, we can talk about the expansion dispersal draft that the Sharks entered into with Minnesota and how much of a cluster F that was. We could talk about how the Sharks have had seemingly higher picks be swept you know, from underneath the floor for them. So I'm not going to say that the system is flawed in any one direction. But I will say that there seems to be some power brokerage within the NHL, whether that's surface or under the surface. But I think you can definitely see preferential treatment in ways like who's awarded Winter Classics or Who's given certain access to certain outdoor games? Or what teams are shown up on advertising? What teams are considered marquee? The Sharks have never, in my opinion, I think our and and I think we can we we as sharks fans can can kind of all appreciate this and and very similar to to the way in which Vancouver fans feel because of of the um you know of the of the Canadian teams I think the Vancouver Canucks are the red-headed stepchild um you know I think you look at them and and you go you know that they seem to be ostracized a lot by the Canadian markets. Um, you know, Vancouver's kind of seen as a as a whiny and a kind of um, ho not ho hum market. But I don't know. It just it never seems to kind of get the marquee-ness that a a Montreal or a Toronto or hell even Ottawa um, and you know Calgary has 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 been um you know been a power broker at times. I think Edmonton, of course, um has been power brokers at times. But uh you know, I I I I don't know if there was a reason why Bedard was drafted by the Hawks, but it sure does seem um it, you know it certainly does seem very uh convenient. That the Hawks kind of fell into the player um, goes to an original six team, you know, a team that has um, you know been on a little bit of the decline, and to then be injected with a Connor Bedard, you know, it's it's kind of a tough pill to swallow at times, but again. You know, I look at our, our brethren to the south and the Kings and the Ducks, and I think that they kind of get the same type of treatment that the Sharks do. I th- I just think West Southern West Coast kind of gets a bad rap if you kind of look at at kind of a heat map of, of the NHL. If you're looking at the California Arizona kind of corridor, um, the, you know it, we we seem to you know kind of be belted, you know. Uh, uh, thrown into the sun belt type of discussion. Um, but you look at, you know, you look at s- Seattle, you, you look at, um, the Portland area as far as hockey and, and how, how prevalent hockey is in those markets. You know, just look at the WHL, right? And, and how long the Winterhawks and, and, um, you know, Thunderbirds have, have been staples in that, um, I, I just think that in in the California climate, you know, it doesn't really conduce; it's not conducive to to ice, you know, during winters. So I think that it has a lot to do with it. Um, but again, there have been, you know, there for for every type of, of example that we give of of this seemingly nepotistic type um, organization that the NHL is, you know, somebody brings up Detroit. And Mikey J, I, I think you talk about an original six team that got hosed by some some draft picks uh, as far as draft positioning, and, and Detroit, I think has been victim to that. Um, you know, Detroit to is to me is a very um, historic franchise. It's 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 one of you know it's, it's an original six franchise, of course, but I think it's one of those extra special ones, especially with Gordy Howe playing there and and just the longevity of his career. So I don't necessarily think that they are the you know redheaded stepchild syndrome of it, but of the original six, they might be uh, as far as as you know who has um, you know the strongest kind of hockey cultures. I mean, you look at New York and the Rangers, you look at Boston, you know, you look at Chicago, and those are seemingly larger markets, both from a TV perspective, but also from a hockey perspective as well. And I, I, again, you know, Jerry bringing it up, you can see how much the NFL cares about the West coast by the fact that they only list games in Eastern time zone on the site. You're exactly right. I mean, again, you know, we, we, we've seen it time and time again. Um, And it's an East Coast-centric sport. I will give you that. It's definitely a Northern sport. But my God, I mean, the Sharks have been in the league for 32-plus years. And to not have a first overall draft pick, to have to scratch and claw for all of the good things that we've had, to be jobbed by calls here and there, I mean, I still am upset about the Milan Lucic, or excuse me, the Mamal maholik, you know knee injury, or the Tomash Hurdle knee injury by Dustin Brown, and how there was lack of any type of, of discipline supplementary for the player. Um, luckily, Tomash was able to recover, but you know, who knows how that has damaged his career and, and what type of, of player he was versus now? Again, I I, I don't want to say there's conspiracy because I think that that's just a fool's errand to go down. But I will also acknowledge that it seems like there has been some nepotistic type tendencies within this league. And I think that that's just something you got to fight through. Um, and it's something that the Sun... Expansion teams, or the, the 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 teams in which expansion has come, um, you know, to to the southern states and, and to the western states, you know, we we kind of do have to to kind of prove ourselves. And um, again, things like Teal Town USA is a way for people to come together, um, to express their opinions, um, to really be a part of a larger hockey community. Um, and, and really give uh, proper representation um, for our fan base. We have a very dedicated fan base. I was just looking at you know the attendance tonight 15,000 you know that was the paid attendance now mind you the, the arena probably looked about two-thirds full but again for for as bad as this team is and to see the the, the tank you know the, the the crowds coming in at the tank um, and, and be consistent. It's 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 a good thing to see, and that shows you that that the the crowd that that's there is is savvy. They understand what's going on. They know it's going to be a, a tough slog, but we're here. We're 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 here. We're passionate about our team. We're passionate about our our city, um, and and we just want to see the team succeed. So, for me, good things to take away from tonight: um, some great play by the team. Um, let's not get too ahead of ourselves because again, I only see three victories in the win column. So it's good. It's, it's going to be, or excuse me, four now, it's going to be tough, Uh tough, tough season, still going to be a tough season. But again, you take the small victories where you can, you take the learning opportunities. Um, you know, I would love to see a Celebrini, uh, Celebrani um, come in on the team. So you got to, you know, you you're going to end up being 31 or 32 to get that to happen. So that's I'm not saying that's what I'm rooting for, but I am saying I I would love to see um, Celebrani come back home. Uh, you know, former Junior Shark um, be be the the chosen one to return the the team to the the playoff promised land. <laughs> so I think we're going to start wrapping it up here. Uh, but in case you missed it and you want to check us out again. Check us out across all of the podcasting platforms, that being the Apple Podcast Store, the Google Play Store, the YouTube Rewind, SoundCloud, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeart, Odyssey. If uh, if there's a platform, it's, it's seemingly we're on it. <laughs> but you can also check us out at tealtownusa.com. And again, thank you so much for for joining me tonight and and having a little bit of a conversation about the Sharks and where they're at. Um, It's good to be back home in the States. I had been on a little bit of a vacation. Landy was on assignment for about a week and a half in Brazil. But uh, it's good to be back and and you should be seeing some more regular updates from from myself. Um, But of course, if you haven't already, please like, subscribe, um, check us out uh, when we go live and of course if you're a long time you know that we go live after every show every single Sharks game uh, is when we do a show so we're your post game stop on the YouTube so come check us out so for all of us tonight keep it real keep it teal keep it real teal thank you everybody and we'll see you after the game on Monday against the Washington Capitals should be a fun one